there'll never be as wide a window open of companies, influencers, organizations of all kinds, media, platforms, bloggers, podcasters who are open and receptive to collaboration, joint venture. You just have to be astute enough to know how to identify, position it, and then and then structure it. And most importantly, you shouldn't waste the opportunity. You should have something with high viability because if you set it up for yourself, once you do that, then you can turn that into a distribution channel. You can put all kinds of other people's stuff down. And now you have an asset play that could be very long lived. You're listening to Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. This is your seat at the table. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in as we ramp up this holiday week. We hope you and yours are staying safe, healthy, and feeling good about 2021. And with that in mind, today's show is well worth a listen. We've already had the pleasure of having Grant Cardone and Damon John share their biggest takeaways from this extra challenging year. So check out those shows if you haven't already. Now, it's Jay Abraham's turn to enlighten us with what he's learned in 2020 and what he will be taking from this year into 2021. So take a listen, share the show with your business-minded friends, and be sure to hit subscribe. All right, so we have the one and only Jay Abraham here with us today. Jay, are you, uh, there he is. I love it. Hey, in the here. wine room. Are you in the wine room? That is so cool. I, yeah, you've never seen the wine room. I have not, no. And uh, and now I'm feeling like I need to do that. So things that we have, you have learned in 2020 during this crazy time that you're going to take into next year and that can help the folks here. Share, share with us a little bit about what your experience has been. Because I know when we first talked, you lost millions of dollars of revenue because you couldn't travel, right? I lost many millions. It was it was heartbreaking for about a day and then you realize nobody cares. So you might as well, you know, shift. I don't like the word pivot because I think it's been beat up, but I think is you have to find a new way of thinking. That's all. Yeah. So what new ways of thinking have you found and what methodologies for those new ways have you found and implemented so far that you're gonna share with us today? Well, I'm gonna answer the question. But I'd like to share something more universal that I think is a power force source that will drive everybody. So, I mean, in all honesty, my kind of a business has always flourished in adversity. Mm -hmm. I got, you know, I've been through six, seven downturns. Nothing as profound as this. And I have been trained to see opportunity in adversity. And so I've been able to very, very methodically go to people, calm them down, show them two, two or three things. One, it doesn't really matter if the market's flat or even dropping. As long as there's a market, there's opportunity because most people are getting a fraction of the yield in a whole, a whole uh, litany of ways. They're getting a fraction of the yield in the responses. They're getting a fraction right. of the conversion, a fraction of the monetization, fraction of the yield of the current market. And if they can understand how to reset all of those fractional performances up, and then they can elevate their stature, no matter whether it's high end, low end, whatever their positioning is, then they, they you can't see it, but then they can get the majority of new flow. And if you do the, the math, it's off the charts. So it doesn't matter if the market's that. It doesn't even matter if the market's that. And it doesn't matter if they're resource impaired, which is what 
I've been trained to do. You can always get anything you want as long as you figure out who are, who's got it and how to make it worth their while. Okay. So I mean, people to think uh, much high performance, if that makes sense. And I'm not, as you know, a digital master, but I teach people how to make all of the performance dynamics produce far more for no more effort. And 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 it's and it's really a powerful understanding in this kind of a market. Okay, so what do we do? So the first thing you do is you look at performance elements that no one else does. Everyone, I mean, you got, if you do a lot online, you got your optimization and you got all this, but the last mile is oftentimes it's manual. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of variation in that, first of all. I stand for what I call the power path, and you know, I've got the three ways to grow a business, uh, the you know, the advanced three ways, but the power parthenon is something most people really don't do. They default to one primary source, and they don't realize there's all these other ways to penetrate a market. There's all these other ways to collaborate with people that have the market. There's all these people that have access to the market before, during, after normally they would buy yours, or instead. There's all these markets that you don't think of that are not defined as the market you would normally target, but there's sub there's subsets of any market. And when you start looking at that, it opens up all kinds of of vistas. I don't know if that's too abstract for you. Ron. No, no, it isn't. And um, and what occurred to me is a couple of things that you and I have talked about during this time. So thing one um, is most people never think to use mass media like radio, satellite radio, print, and television. You, during this time, identified a strategy because you said, let me look at the market and towards what you said, look at performance elements that no one else does. This is like a whole media element. Would you talk a little bit about the strategy that you had, what you did with the radio stations and and how that's been going? Because that's something that I think everybody here could think about doing locally or nationally. Yeah, and most of the stuff I do is high-end for myself. But just to give it in context, in the last year, we helped a client go from $40 million to $140 million plus just by showing them that they could access their market. Their, you probably heard them if you're in any car and listen to Sirius. They do timeshare contract cancellation. And all we did was show them that if they bought media at full rate, they would lose their ass. But if they bought it from people that had access to remnant standby, uh, they could buy it for 85% off. And at 85% off, all of a sudden, something that loses its ass is very profitable. And then when they did that, we were able to get them the same thing on cable networks at about 85 off. And all of a sudden, they're the biggest advertiser in the sector, and they're making Uh, The guy's making $40 million a year just because of that distinction. I had 500 radio stations for the bulk of COVID that were totally willing to do anything. Their sales were down. If you understand radio, a newspaper is the same thing. Online is much better with with, or or anything that that is electronic because the cost is almost nominal. But when the, the day is over, the issue is done, the, the hour expires, they can't save the advertising opportunity. It's gone forever. So it's just like the analogy of a hotel. And it used to be the same with things like cruises and hotels, the same thing, but they need to monetize it. I had 500 radio stations and I could have had 5,000, 
that were not doing well. They had unsold advertising that was just dissipating and they were willing to do rev share, lead share. They were willing to let me package events they could do uh, virtually with, uh, they were, they were willing to let me go into their market and, and engineer rev shares with, with uh, providers, home improvement. I mean, it's, there's opportunity galore. The first thing you have to do is ask who has my market? How many ways can I reach the market? How can I move fixed costs to variable at least until I have some, some quantification? And that opens up, I mean, I mean, in my life, that's been the mother load of opportunity and, and Roland, because I know it's tight and I was going to tell a bunch of cool JV type stories, but if you want to take me in a different direction, I'm all for that. You guide me and I'll, I'll follow uh, judiciously. I want to do these two things in particular because they were really smart that you did. Not that everything isn't really smart. These were smart and applicable to this time. How about that? So the strategy with the media reaching out to the radio stations, you did that through direct mail, traditional direct mail. Is that correct? Yes. Two ways. I found, I happen to have known him because I served him uh, for a couple of years, but the guy that owns the definitive journal for radio management and I've helped him and I do a lot of things for people after they're done being clients because I know there's always reciprocity. And he uh, lent full endorsement to me in a couple of e-blasts and then we sent letters concurrently. Yeah. So you did. It was a kind of a two step. You had a center of influence you aligned with and then yep. used that connection to leverage. So that that was thing one that I thought was really, really great. And the other was that um, you said if you if you want to access huge networks of connected sales forces, there's a lot of people right now who have giant networks who yep. are no longer working selling. Would you talk about that? Because I thought that was brilliant. You know this about me. I, I'm a mad scientist who creates stuff and then forgets what I've created. I identified five windows of COVID opportunity that were quite profound. And I haven't talked about this for a while, so let me access it. Number yes, one, love it. Number one, and it's still it's still available. And if it goes the other way, it'll be more available than you can imagine. There'll never be an environment, and you guys and girls are all oriented towards affiliate programs, but there's a much bigger world of collaboration, endorsement, joint venture, packaging, uh, co-branding, uh, just all kinds of stuff you don't even understand that, that dwarfs, honestly, where affiliate is, if you understand it. There'll never be as wide a window open of companies, influencers, organizations for non, not-for-profits of all kinds, media, platforms, bloggers, podcasters who are open and receptive to collaboration, joint venture, performance-based opportunities. You just have to be astute enough to know how to identify, position it, and then and then structure it. And most importantly, you shouldn't waste the opportunity. You should have something with high viability because if you set it up for yourself, once you do that, then you can turn that into a distribution channel. You can put all kinds of other people's stuff down. And now you have an asset play that can be very long lived. That's the first thing. The second is an extension of that. There are many, many, many companies who are on the ropes. They are just getting by or they're not getting by and they're just they're just depleting capital. 
if you can identify who they are, and this goes to Roland's EPIC program very, very strongly, you can acquire them for no money down and pay out of the uh, the proceeds. The risk is almost nothing if you either have an existing business that can consolidate in, you can get rid of a lot of the expenses that are duplicated. Number two, if you don't have a business like that, you can consolidate a bunch of them. If you don't have a business like that, you can look at companies that sell things before, during, after, instead of what you sell. And it can monetize either as a lead generator, an LTV extension, a what I call sunk cost monetization. The third is really cool. And this is what Roland was talking about. So many people have been uh, temporarily put out of work and they tend to polarize. The largest number is going to be at the lower end of skill set. And I have great empathy for them, but it's not relevant for this discussion. A surprisingly large number is at the top part. And this is really interesting. These are people who, before they lost their job, we're interfacing with decision makers in different spectrums of the business uh, continuum that you would probably give your left you know what to have access to. They might be dealing with CEOs, with CTOs, with CMOs, with uh, heads of transportation, depends on what you're selling. Now these people are out of work, used to making two, dollars $300,000 a year, making $1,000 or, or less a, a week, struggling, starving, stressed out of their gourd, you can find them on LinkedIn. And I'm sure Roland would give you other sources. You can go to them. And if they don't have a non-compete, and even if they have a non-compete in many states, it's not even uh, enforceable, but they have these relationships that are sunk cost. You can go to them and you can show them if you can win their trust for you, your company, your product people, that they introduce you instantly to maybe 20, 30 people you would in a lifetime never get access to at that level of credibility, and you give them some kind of a variable for closed deals, you can go crazy. The next level is a derivative of that. There's tons of salespeople who have been either put out of work or are quite compromised because either the company consolidated or the product they were selling and the way they were selling it was not as viable during COVID, they're sitting around and they can do any of the following. They can do all the three things set up, set up and find them for you. I just talked about, they can go out and find you deals. You can deploy them for other people and take a piece. I mean, it's crazy. And then the last thing, well, there's many things, but the last window of opportunity that I thought was really cool is what I call option trading, but it's not option trading in the context rolling that an investor would think about. It's much more uh, intangible, but much more lucrative and, and, uh, and fascinating. It's getting control of, of intangible assets or access. And I'll give you a couple of simple examples from past recessions. One of my friends moved to California about 20 years ago in a recession, and he had no business at all, but he was very ingenious. And he started looking around and he figured out that the Rose Bowl, the actual Rose Bowl stadium and facilities that are owned by the, the county was only being used a very few amount of, of days on the weekends for uh, UCLA football games, the Rose Bowl, and some concerts at night. The rest of the time, it was totally empty. It had massive uh, exhibit capacity, massive parking capacity. He went to the county. He negotiated a deal 
to turn it into flea markets on all the days and times it wasn't being used on the weekends and holidays. And he gave them a guaranteed percentage of revenue and he built into it a renewal and he had a little slight addition that he could partner with somebody. He didn't know one iota about, about uh, flea markets, but as soon as he had the deal tied up, he found the number one flea market management company in the country. He got about a half a million dollar advance against his percentage and he ended up making millions and millions just for flipping it. There are, if you think about it, if you look at whatever you do and a lot of you are competing uh, viciously with one another, but if you find other companies doing something like that or similar, most of them, if they're successful, they've created methodology, they've created processes, they've created systems, techniques that are higher performing than the norm, which gives them advantage. If you can figure out who they are, you can acquire the use of that for either a fee or percentage or, you know, a percentage of the savings or the efficiency. And if it's really cool, you can flip it to lots of other people. We've had five or six clients. We've been able to take something they did internally that was higher performing either on revenue or or conversion or cost saving or cash flow management or anything and and resold it to thousands of other people. And I can go on and on, but is that what you were talking about? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you. Those five things I think are very, very helpful. And the other thing, Jay, you made a list of things that you were going to share. Can we just uh lightning round through those things and uh share some of your I, I thought I would share I mean, I have about a hundred stories that I've done for myself or clients or partners have done that are that generated very, very literally billions of dollars. And they're all predicated on thinking differently. And I had, I was going to go through a litany, but I'll come up with just a few real quick because of the time allocation. Mm -hmm. Probably if I, I mean, you all, and I don't mean you, Roland, but many of the people on are digital type marketers and they're very used to affiliate marketing. Mm -hmm. And affiliate marketing is good, but you can take the concept of accessing somebody's affinity, existing trust and access to such a higher strata of sublime. And I thought I would tell you how we used to do it pre in a couple of different scenarios just to get your mind uh, stimulated. And again, I had, you know, a hundred different stories to tell, but I'll tell those two because they have relevancy if that Love makes it. So probably the first thing is before I, I did a quarter billion dollars of seminars myself when I was younger in two years and spent maybe 200 grand fixed to do it because of a process that I will tell you secondly, but I'll tell you first how we did a half a billion dollars a year for a company with no fixed investment. It was all variable. I was in the gold business right when gold was re-legalized. Everyone else was running ads in financial publications. I realized that the financial newsletters were the real source. I went to all of them and I did the following. I did not just say, hey, will you endorse us? I said, well, can we become your recommended provider? And as such, will you do the following? Number one, every time you get a new subscriber, let us send, just like you'll send a welcome packet, let us send to you or direct to them a welcome packet that gives them the overview, understanding, and the perspective of hard asset investing, gold, silver, rare coins. Second, let us underwrite four times a year a special edition newsletter that 
you can send out all about hard assets. It'll be perspective and interviews of prominent people. We will pay the cost. Number three, let us let us underwrite regional programs where we will bring an iconic person. Our head will, our president will talk. You will talk. You can have all the you can have all the front end profit. Number four, give us joint tenancy of the names of everyone comes in and we gave them a share. Number five, when your marketing piece stops working in most newsletters back then, their model was it had to break even and break even was one of two criteria role. And it was either breaking even with fulfillment of the newsletter, breaking in without fulfillment was only about six or $8 a year. If it's below that, we would take over the marketing. I would get fix the headline, the proposition, the risk reversal, the bonus, the call to action. We would underwrite it for half of the upside if we made a profit, joint tenancy, because those leads were valuable to us. Number six, if it stopped working there, most newsletter offers were front-end loaded with bonuses. We would take the offer then, modify it to a gold lead offer with that bonus because I could reduce our our negative cash flow lead generation cost by about 80%. So I'm saying you can take the concept of affiliate marketing to such a, oh, by the way, and I never, ever had the same message to any list because there was so much overlap. I would take the time to create separate communications that, that uniquely articulated the voice and the market so that people, if they were on seven different lists, instead of getting the same thing and thinking it was basically, you know, you know, predictable would say, geez, each one of the people that I respect is saying something very unique. So very different strategy. When I did seminars, uh, we had a really cool strategy. I would go to the list owner, mailing pieces, and I'd already made most of them, and it's about trying to be arrogant, millions of dollars. So they were willing to sign the most outrageous and audacious letters for me. But the first thing we would do is send a letter out offering a one-day $50,000 private consult. Right. That's what I was charging then. And, and we would feel blessed if we got one. It would, it would break even the, you know, the 100,000-piece mailing. But it was audacious. Then we'd write behind it with a letter from the endorser saying, so many of our people contacted me and said that that was the most audacious offer they'd ever heard. How could anybody charge $50,000? This is, I'm talking about 25 years ago, for a day of their time. But somebody who could must be interesting and talented and, and skilled enough. Is there any way you could figure out how to make him affordable? Right. And then the letter said, I asked Jay, he said, sure. Get 500 people together for five grand economies of scale, I'll do it. And then we yeah. would do the seminar, we'd sell out. Then we'd go behind and say, so many people said they couldn't attend. Is there any way they could experience it themselves? Then we would do the home study that way. Then we'd go behind and sell Mr. X and then we'd start over again. We also did a reversal of that. I am One of the things that I think, just an observation, and you're so much closer to it, that the online world today has lost track. They understand funnels, but I don't think they understand nuances. I think nuances are very important, and it's different than funnels to me. It's 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 semantics. It's 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 understanding 
how to really distinguish and position. It's all kinds of things that are, are the nuclear part of the whole process. One of the things that I learned earlier in my career is what you want to be able to do is put into words what gnawing and abstract amorphous drivers are making somebody really crazy, whether it's a goal they want to achieve or a problem they want to try to extricate themselves for. And most of them have never put it into clarified words in their subconscious. The, the marketer that learns how to do that with authenticity owns that mind share far and away above and beyond everyone else they're competing against. Most of them try to do it with a lot of the same buzzwords and hyperbole and bullets and uh, stacks of uh, perceived value, real or otherwise, but there's a much more powerful way to do it. You take the category that your product, service, uh, or industry is attacking addressing. You go to amazon.com for the last, or any other book publisher to start with, I'll go down the hierarchy for the last three years. You look at the last 25 bestsellers in each of those three years in the direct category and any related category. The first thing you look at are titles, subtitles, because regrettably, most books sell more by the promise than they do the content. Then you look at the uh, chapter titles, again, looking for resonating phraseology that nails it. And then this is the real key. Then you go to reviews. And I, I haven't done it lately, but I think Amazon is zero to five. So the zeros are negative. The fives are positive. People like Chris should understand this. When you are passionate, positively or negatively, your subconscious overrides your conscious. If you think about somebody who's either pissed off or exuberant, Sometimes you're shocked. Away from the vulgarity, the brilliance, the dimensionality, the clarity, the sinewy expression that they come up with is outrageous, good or bad. So you go through all the zeros, all the fives, you scrape them for all these books, three years, and all the related ones. And now you do the same thing for review sites. You do the same thing against your competition in every direct and indirect. Now you overlay the good and the bad hierarchy where they're the most frequent. And now you've got word phrases that none of your competitors, and you're speaking to the subconscious. You can basically articulate exactly what you know they want, that you and you deliver it such and such, because you're using word phrases that resonate with their subconscious. You can tell them what you don't do. This gives you headlines, subheadlines. Copy approaches, primary positionings, it is infallible. And I do that for every client because I don't write copy anymore, but I do that so they can write masterful copy that kicks ass. You don't have to limit it to the books on your topic, any related topic, and it can be any kind of provider and even your competition anywhere in the world. If you start doing this, your ability to empathically relate and have them genuinely felt understood acknowledged, appreciated, empathized is going to so trounce anybody else. I mean, I've done it enough times. It is about as infallible a success formula as you can have if you do it to fullness. It's really that powerful. You've been listening to Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. If you're enjoying the show, let us know by subscribing and leaving a review. And for more information, go to businesslunchpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.
What if three days could change the course of your business in 2023? Get Scalable Live is where you'll gain great clarity on the next steps that will help you create the business, life, and wealth you deserve. Connect with business owners and entrepreneurs just like you, hungry for advice, proven strategies, and necessary connections to grow a business. Literally, million-dollar conversations are happening in the hallways, in the bathrooms, across tables. Get Scalable Live at Fairmont Austin, November 2nd through 4th. Tickets are on sale now at GetScalableLive.com.